We are better together. Clownfish and anemones have a mutually beneficial relationship. The anemone offers protection, and the fish keeps the anemone clean from bacteria. God created us each with a special purpose. When we do our part, all benefit. I need what you have to offer, and you need me to do my part. We are each unique and important, and we are infinitely better together. So as I said, we're in the middle of a, of a series called This Is My Story. And um, we're sharing stories of how basically God has worked in our life. It's a little different, not your traditional sermon style. Um, uh, but we've been sharing our stories. And another word for story is, is testimony. Um, and uh, the testimony is my personal story. You think legally, you know, like you're giving your testimony. It's, this is what happened to me. Um, and the reason that we're doing this is we want to, again, model what, it, what it's like to share your story um, and encourage you. To, to tell your stories. I've actually had a number of people email me saying, can I share my story? And uh, I think that's awesome. And I want to say, yes, please do. All the time. To everybody you meet. Um, I, know I really would love to have everybody get an opportunity to, to share stories here. Um, I wish we could. We've, these are kind of already scheduled, so we've got this set. But um, please, that's the point. We want you to share your story as much as possible with everybody that you can. Let people know. Um, you know, there's no perfect story, there's no right story, there's just your story. Um, week one, we talked about, you know, part of the word testimony means do it again. It means that, you know, it, it comes from this word meaning do it again, that what God has done in your life when you tell your story, what you're, what you're really doing for people is you're saying, listen, this is how God has worked and I believe he can do it again. It's not like God did that one time for me and for you, sorry. You know, he only did that for me, you know, we Anything God has done for any one of us, he can do again. You know, he's that kind of God. It's not, we don't live in a zero-sum world where I win and you lose. God's got enough for everybody. You know, so whatever he does, so when we share our stories, so when you hear stories today, know he can do it for you too. The second part of that is um, it's powerful when you share your story because you don't have to make anything up. You just have to tell your story because it's true and you can't argue with the truth because it's what happened to you. You, you don't have to have all the answers. You're just going to say, listen... This is what happened to me. You don't have to agree with it, but you can't argue with it because it's truth. That's what happened. So there's power in that. And and the Bible, we've said, is God's story. You know, that word, it, it's, it's, it's his testimony to us. Um, the New Testament, Old Testament, there, it's God's story to us. And in Exodus 25, God speaks to Moses and gives him some instructions on a few things. I'm just going to read it real quick. And it's going to be interesting, but stick with me. He's talking about, <coughs> excuse me, the ark. This was like a box. Think of like a big wooden box that they built. And he said, have people make an ark of acacia wood. Because everybody knows what that is. Um, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. God's very particular about the details here. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold. And run a molding of gold around it. This is a nice box. It's a very nice box. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. So now imagine a box, and on the bottom there are these four rings. Make poles from acacia wood, overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the side of the ark to carry it. So now you've got these poles, so they, they carry this box. You don't touch the box. Don't touch the box. You just carry the poles, and the poles are, go through the rings, and that way you can carry the box. And it says these carrying poles must stay inside the rings, never remove them. 
When the ark is finished, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Okay, you know what that is? Ten Commandments, right? Moses, mountaintop, Ten Commandments. It says, put those tablets in the box, in the ark. All right? It says, this is the terms of the covenant. Okay, think, let's just pay attention to that word, covenant. It says, and then make the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. Okay, so now the box has a cover. Again, same dimensions. Then make two cherubim, which are, you know, angels. But these are not like the dainty little angels, you know, that we think of like this. I mean, these are like fierce warrior angels. It says, make them from hammered gold. Place them on the two ends of the, of the, of the atonement cover. So mold the cherubim on each end of the cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover with their wings spread above it. They will protect it. So, I mean, this is a massive... I mean, you've got these angels like this staring down and their wings are covering like this and then like this. And so you've got this kind of arch thing over this box with poles and you get the picture and it's all gold. It's all gold. And then he says, place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant and then put the cover. So that word, covenant, actually comes from the same word for testimony. Believe it or not. So covenant comes from the word testimony. So the terms of the covenant are basically the terms of the story. This is God's story. See, it tells the story of the relationship that God had with his people. That's what the, that's what the Ten Commandments were about. So then now listen to this. And he says... And he says, and you put that in there, and then he says, and I will, this is God, I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant or the ark of the testimony or the ark, the box of my story. And from there, I will give you commands. So basically, God is saying, listen, I'm going to meet with you whenever you share the story of me. Where the story of me is, that's where I meet with you. Okay, when his story is told, he shows up. He says, when you put the story in there, I will show up there. All right. And they would they would go into this ark. Angels, very presence of God would descend in the middle. So angels, arms outstretched like this. Right. God descends in the middle over the story where the law is written, because the law is the terms of the covenant, the terms of the relationship. Okay, I'm telling you, you're going, why are we talking about this today? Well, one, wouldn't it be cool to watch and see that? Wouldn't it be cool to just see what that box looks like, the gold, and see like God descending between two angels? And like that would be pretty cool. <clears throat> but we don't have the ark anymore. They lost it. <sighs> Indiana Jones found it, but then, you know, <laughs> melted faces, all that stuff. So, But God says this. He says, the day is coming when I will make a new covenant, a new story with my people. This covenant, this story, will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. He says, but this is the new covenant, the new story I will make with my people. He says, I will put my law in their hearts. And I will write them on their hearts and on their minds. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. It says, no longer will I come down on the ark to descend there to meet with you, because that's where the law is, the terms of my relationship. But now the terms of my relationship is inside of you, and now I will just come down on you and be with you. 
And when we raise our hands, could it be that that's sort of a symbol of the angel and God saying, hey, guess what? My law is there. You put there and boom, God shows up. Do you see how cool this is? You're all kind of really blank and you're like, I don't know, but I think this is pretty stinking cool. See, the story of God is written in us. It's the story of our relationship with him. And when you share your story of God, guess what? He says he shows up. God shows up. He's actually present there when you reveal your relationship. See, some people, I believe, are desperate to see God. And we think we need to take them somewhere and show them something. I need to take them to church. I need to, I need to bring them to this. I need to have them. No, here's what you need to do. You need to tell them your story. Because when you tell people your story, they see God in it. They see God all over it. So today we're going to hear two stories from some very special people in our church. And as they share their stories, I'm going to encourage you, look for God to show up. Look for God in their story. Because he's here. So, Mary Pergament and Shannon Gafkin, would you come on up and would you welcome them this morning as they come to share their stories? So, here we go. I think we need like a house band, you know, to play some like in between music. Oh, I'm sorry. Here you go. We need tissues. Does anybody have tissues? She's got tissues. Sorry, I only thought about those for Kevin. So. Yeah. We might beat Kevin. <laughs> yeah, you might. Yeah. I told Kevin, I was a good friend of his. We're both criers. You're both so, criers. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Shannon, thank you for being with us. And Mary, thank you for, for being with us. So, um, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. And uh, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. So, uh, I pre- appreciate both of you. Both uh, been great to get to know you these past few years, and uh, I know you're good friends with each other. And uh, so both have teens and rooted youth. What, what? Yep, there we go. The balcony is for our youth, if you don't know. So uh, that's, that's what you're hearing from up there. So, uh, so first question for you both and whoever wants to go first. But can you tell us about your early years? What was life, you know, what was life growing up for you like, you know, as a child? Like, what was that like? So. I'm going to take turns, like going first. Or? I can go first. Okay. okay. Um, I, uh, life was good. Um, I, you know, just had a lot of people in my life that sprinkled all kinds of good things and then some also, some not good things, like all of us, it was a mix. Um, my parents had me very young. My mom was, um, actually my mom was 15 when she had my sister and um, unfortunately her, her father didn't stay around, but she met my father who became a dad to my sister and he just adored her. She adored him. Um, we laughed because the two of them kind of had a tighter relationship than I was only a baby when my mom and my father decided to get divorced. So um, they were, you know, he really bonded with my sister, which is great. And then obviously we bonded later. But um, uh, because my parents were young, they both totally admit that they had a kind of a hard time with relationships and things like that. Um, I, uh, if anyone out here is from a divorced family, you can talk to me. That's the first part of my story. I can always tell you the highs and lows. Um, my father would pick me up every other weekend and, uh, we would have the best conversations in the hour drive to Delaware. Um, so that was a plus. I don't know if I would have had that if my parents weren't divorced, you know, things like that. Um, 
And my mother always instilled um, a lot of gratitude in me. And she was she's a very compassionate person also. So I attribute those qualities that I have to her. Um, and, you know, we just, I grew up in South Jersey, um, always had a presence of God in our lives. We, my mom was Catholic, my dad was Protestant, but I've been to many different churches. My father would like try different churches. We joke about it and we would church shop every time I was with him. Um, and I also, my grandmother was a big part in raising me. My dad's mom, she would also pick me up. Uh, every Friday after school, and we'd go get McDonald's and play on the playground. Um, so those are good memories. Um, you know, we we struggled with a lot of um, issues in our families, with step parents and things like that, with some substance abuse, and um, there was some a lot of moving going on, a lot of you know just some unpleasant things. Um, but I feel that you know. There was always someone looking out for us, whether it was a neighbor or a family member, um, and we ended up okay. We're survivors. I have uh, an older sister, a younger sister, and a younger brother, and um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good 80s childhood for the most part. So, Thank you, Sharon. And I grew up in New York. Um, well, people don't know. I'm actually first-generation American. My parents both came over from Ireland. And started a life here, met here in, in the United States, in New York, hmm. and settled down. Uh, I'm an only child, so it was the best. I had both my parents around. Uh, it was a good life. It was hard. You know, they didn't have a ton of money, but we did things. I can remember three vacations in my life that I said I forgot to Florida twice. I was happy. I got to Orlando. You kids up there, you don't know what you have. Your parents treat you real well on vacations and everything. Enjoy every moment of it. Um, Life was good. Irish Catholic parents. I went to, through 12 years of Catholic school. Um, and we had a good life. My parents, though, got divorced when I turned 18. My father and my mother got a divorce. And it was a really ugly divorce at that point, And it was str- very struggling for my mom. Um, money wasn't coming in that should have come in. She was a stay-at-home mom at that time. And when you equate to where she was, she probably had an equivalent of a sixth-grade education coming from Ireland here to the U.S. So for her going out to try to get a job, it wasn't something that was easy. And at 18, my mother started cleaning homes. That's what she was doing to help put food on the table and make sure that we had something to eat and stay where we were. And truly, if it wasn't for my family, who, you know, I'm an only child, but I have two aunts who live here in the United States. And if it wasn't for them, I don't know how we would have managed to survive at that point. One aunt would just come in and bring groceries every week. My aunt, other aunt and uncle paid the mortgage until we sold the house for the divorce. They kept us floating through. And, I'm, you know, they're just amazing, special people in my life right now. Uh, my one aunt and uncle actually live here in Robbinsville, so every Sunday I go over and see them because they're 93 years old now. Their children are my sisters and brothers. Those are the people who, they're my, they're my people, they're who I go to when there's a problem, because it is just me. I don't have a sibling to go mm. through. Um, but when my parents divorced, what that made for me made my mother and myself extremely close. And I can say she was my best friend. She was the person who I went to for everything. So when she passed away, it was 13 years ago, it was very hard for me. That was a big loss in my life. And I'm glad that my aunt lives right across the road from me, so I'm able to go visit her when I need to talk to somebody now. 
But childhood was good. You know, my parents were a great family when they were together. It was a wonderful childhood. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so sticking with, with the childhood, what did you want to be when you were a kid? That's a fun one, you know. Yeah. Well, I wanted to be a mom, so I'm grateful. I have one up there that makes me happy. And I just embarrassed her, so she's great. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to be a teacher. That was the other thing I wanted to do. And I did not go down the teaching path because um, with my parents' divorce, college wasn't something I was able to go do right away. So I started working and I went to college at night. And at that point, trying to be a teacher going to college at night wasn't going to work. So um, I went into the human resources field. And then at one point, I got laid off and I started substitute teaching. And I said, oh, man, I was not supposed to be a teacher. I was very grateful (laughs) I didn't do that. Cool. Shan, how about Um, you? I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, <laughs> no lie. Um, my dad was even going to send me to Kennedy Space Center. He talked all about it. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I just probably got to that hormonal like puberty age, and it was like I was interested in a lot of other things. And when I was interested in being an astronaut, I knew I had to do just that, you know, and really focus on that. And I couldn't really see where the balance would come in. So um, I... Then just stumbled in high school, I had to write, I really liked psychology, and I was so happy that we had that class, and uh, I had a friend, I had to write a paper on autism, and I had a friend who um, said, oh, I know, actually she wasn't like a friend, but we became friends, she said, I know someone that has a child with autism, it was much more rare then, and she brought me to their house, and then I fell in love, and I just have been doing that ever since, so, yeah. Cool. So... Growing up, what influence, you know, we're obviously in a church setting, what influence did your parents have just on, on faith? You know, what was sort of your upbringing in faith? What was that like? Yeah. Um, like I said, both of them, I've, I've never not known God. Uh, as far as my grandmother was my prayer warrior. Um, she just, she was just amazing. Her faith was so strong. Um, my mother was Catholic, so her parents were also, they were Irish Catholic. They were very rooted in all the Catholic traditions, so I grew up seeing that. Um, and my dad, um, he just is one of those people that just was never afraid to talk about it at all. Um, he's not afraid to talk about anything. Um, but, and he was so imperfect in so many ways outwardly that, his faith really, you know, I think it did the most for me because he didn't go to the same church every week. He didn't have, you know what I mean? It just was, a, I would see him re- reading his Bible, and that was huge, you know, seeing seeing your parents read the Bible. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was always there, and um, I'm very grateful for that. No matter what, that is the, the best gift that they gave me, so... And for me, as I said, I went through 12 years of Catholic school. It was just part of daily routine. You got up on Sunday, you went to church. It was, there was not anything else. That was what was expected. That's what you did, um, which was great. My mom was very religious. Um, I still have her devotionals in my nightstand at night. So when I need to feel close to her, I'll pick those up and I'll read through that um, in that respect. But, yeah, my, my parents... It was just part of life. You went every day, every Sunday. And my mom didn't drive, so even after I got married and moved out, every Sunday I was coming and taking her to church. It was part of that routine. 
So then when can you say, you know, in terms of faith, when did faith not just become something that was, you know, you were around, but when did it become maybe personal or real for you? Like, did you have an encounter? Was there a time where you, like, can you remember like a first time being like, you know, wow, I think God is real or was it more progressive? Like just, you know, how did faith start in your life personally, you know, not just because of family, but when did it become personal to you? When I was younger, they had told me I wouldn't be able to have children which when you said the one thing I wanted to be was a mom, that was really hard. And I was about 17 when they told me that. Um, so before I got married, my husband was where we may not be able to have kids. And uh, we talked about it and said, okay, what would we try? And went to other doctors and other things progressed a little bit. And they thought we could have our own child. And we had tried for about a year having a child, and that wasn't working out. And we said, let's take a break, and we'll go through and – look at other alternatives. So we were looking at adoption and everything else. And my mom just kept saying to me at one point, you know, you need to pray more on this. And I remember just going into church and praying and just saying, you know, please give me one, let me be blessed with one. That would be a blessing for me. And it took four years because it wasn't in my time, it was in God's time. But we ended up having what I consider a beautiful girl up there. Um, And I embarrassed her again. But that's where really I felt God was listening and could hear me. Other times, like you said, with family, it was more about, you know, praying. But that was very personal to me. And I had a talk. It wasn't just going in going through the motions of praying. But it was talking to God and really putting my faith of what I needed in his hands to give me what we wanted as a family. Yeah. Wow. Um, I... uh... So, you know, like I said, I'd always known God. I thought I was pretty strong. I also thought, I kind of thought I was kind of quirky because I really did like going to church. Like not many kids my age would. Um, my mom suffered with a lot of depression. There were times she wouldn't go, and I would go as a teenager. I was called to it. It made me feel better, you know. Um, and um, when I was – I really – and I'm very thankful for it because of this. When I was 18 – I just graduated high school and uh, went to Europe. I saved my own money, worked three jobs. Hear that? Three jobs. <laughs> saved my money to go to Europe and um, came back from Europe, had a great summer, had a really nice boyfriend, Was just thought everything was going my way. Um, I worked at a, our church nursery school at that time, and um, I was driving to work, um, and I took my eyes off of the road. And I swerved, um, I, when I looked back on there, there was someone stopped in front of me, I swerved, I hit a telephone pole. And um, when I came to, um, I noticed a flurry of lots of activity, and I realized I didn't just hit, I didn't just hit the telephone pole. And um, I knew there was something much more just by everyone's reactions and their facial expressions, something really horrible had happened. Um, and... I was put into an ambulance, and I just remember feeling that God was with me. Um, I sometimes almost think that God was working through maybe the ambulance. Now I think about it more, maybe she told me God's with you. Who knows? Um, but I remember getting to the hospital and telling my mom I wasn't alone. I, God was with me. Um, and once I found out what had happened, I realized that there was a big reason why God was with me. Um, because I would face some really alone times in the next coming months, maybe even years. Um, I found out that because I rear-ended the man, um, he turned into the other lane, and a tractor-trailer came and hit him, and he passed away. So that's um, okay. I'm going to do it. I've told, I've told it enough times now. <laughs> um, but 
I never, I, I don't know if I would have gotten through it the way that I have if it wasn't for God. I, I know that for sure. Um, because I, I did feel alone. I knew everyone loved me. I knew all of that. But the peace and the, the care that God gave me is far surpassed any human hugging me or telling me it was going to be okay. Um, so that's when I met God. Wow. That's, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's, I know that's a lot to, to share and be so honest with us, and we appreciate that. And I just want to let you know that we don't take that lightly. You know, it's, I, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, incredible to see how God is with you, both in, in those times of, of, of great need. Um, so uh, when, what was, you know, what's been the hardest part? of trusting God for you? You know, were there times where that faith was, was tested? And, you know, how did you, how did you navigate that? You know, how have you come through that? Well, there's so many layers to, like, I guess I'm learning. There's so many layers to our relationship with God that, like, even though I, I felt God during that tragic time, I still kind of twisted it into thinking, okay, well, he put me here now, and I, he saved me. I'm alive, and I need to do everything I can to serve him which isn't a bad thing, you know, um, but I didn't grasp all of it, and I, and I questioned the plan because my grandmother actually told me during this time that there is a plan, and I got very, very angry with her for saying that to me because I thought, well, why did he choose me? What did I ever do? You know, like you just, it just, the plan thing was so hard for me, and even up until last year, I was um, still kind of being like, no, bad things just happen, and that's it. There's no plan, and there's no, there's, I don't know. Um, So that, questioning the plan, and questioning, I'm very impatient, too, so it's it's hard for me, Um, but I have to say that seeing the way things work out, um, it, it all, the plan, you know, I'm seeing more now, you know, how he uses us. And not necessarily that, that it was a plan for it to be me there at that time of that accident and it was for me to cause that, but that he truly will use us to help others. Um, as we all know, there's accidents all the time and there's someone that causes them, but no one ever talks about it. And um, I held the shame. I never talked about it at all. And that was that was a barrier between God and I, total barrier, because... I was only allowing him in a little bit, you know, yeah, you were there for me, but like, and I'm going to do everything for you, but that's not a good relationship. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the best relationship. That's a serving relationship, not a get, not a receiving as much. Um, I felt that him being there for me, that was enough. You don't ever need to do another thing for me, God, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I think that shaped a lot of the way I lived for that 20 years um, and stopped me from really being who I could all that I could be. Um, you think you're all you can be when you serve people. You think that's the best thing, but I, I didn't allow it. Um, and last year, um, the same situation happened with a young girl in our town. And um, once again, I thought, I can serve. So I went immediately into action, and I served. And I said, Pastor Dan, I said, can you please let them know this happened to me? And that was the first time I had really told anybody the only other people that knew were my husband and my kids didn't even know that my accident happened. Um, so what that brought me was there were so many gifts from all this whole situation because I thought it's just going to help this family and that's the best gift. And 
I never had anybody talk to me about it happening to them, you know, and that's why the story thing is so important to know you're not alone, that kind of thing. But um, over the past year, the way I've seen God work in my life is just, I, I really, you all know me, I can't even put it into words, and that's a big surprise because I put everything into words. But, uh, <laughs> but I really, I really, I look back and I'm like, wait a minute, why is this happening? Why am I singing up here? Why am I in this play that with my daughter in a theater? Why am I doing these things? And I think he just, you know, I finally was able to be free. So... And the grace, all that stuff. I never appreciated a lot of the characteristics in the relationship, my relationship with God. And now it's very strong. That's awesome. Well, about six and a half years ago, uh, we were a family of three. And uh, my husband was sick. And one day he was, we were out shopping. Next morning he wakes up and goes, Mary, I think I need to go to the hospital. I'm just not feeling well. And he had a cold and he was coughing and sniffling and all of that, and we brought him into the hospital. It happened to be Super Bowl Sunday. Remember this? So, dropped my daughter off at my cousin's house, and I took him over to the hospital. And I brought him in there, and they admitted him. They thought maybe pneumonia or something like that. And I go home and I get my daughter, and I said, "Come on, we'll bring Daddy dinner over at the hospital." We went to Boston Market, got him dinner. We watched part of the Super Bowl with him. He was a big Giants fan. I don't think they were playing. Didn't matter though; it was sports. He would want to watch it anyway. Um, so we went over there, waited till halftime, and then we went home. And the next morning I got up and I called the hospital. I'm trying to get his room and calling him and he's not answering. I'm calling the nurse's station. They finally put him on. And I'm listening to my husband talk on the phone. And I said, honey, put the nurse back on for me. And he did. And I said to the nurse, there's something really wrong. This isn't my husband on the phone. There's something really, really wrong. And I was at work at that moment just trying to get a couple of things done before I go back. Um, went and told my boss, I need to leave, I need to head to the hospital. And by the time I got to the hospital, they had um, incubated him with the trach, and he was on um, a ventilator system because his blood oxygen levels were completely off at that point. And that was probably one of the most scariest times in my life where I wished I had my mom around. But we were like, okay, everything's going to be okay. You can get him off the vent. Everything will work fine. And they did everything they could to get him off the vent, and it wasn't working. Um, going back and forth to the hospital for about a week, found him uh, a home that he needed to go, that he was going to go to to try to, re, to be a rehabilitation to get the vent off for him. And um, I, so he was moving the next day. We had done all the, went to like three different homes to look at to see what would be the one to go for him. Went in, talked to him, and, you know, he, he wasn't able to communicate, but he did tell me he was scared when I was talking to him. He was scared of dying. Um, I left that night. Uh, my daughter was with friends down the street. I get to the car, picked her up, get to the car. The hospital's calling me, telling me I need to come back to the hospital. I'm like, okay, I have a seven-year-old child with me. What am I going to do? And I took her over to my cousin's house, who was not home at that moment, but her husband had just come home from work. And I said, Rich, I need you to take care. Of her. i got to go back to the hospital. They called me. And I'm trying to call my husband's sisters so they could come down to the hospital. Because at that moment, I knew it wasn't good. And when I got up to the hospital, they wouldn't let me into the room. I had to sit in the waiting area, and then they brought us into the room. And at that point, I had found out my husband had passed away, which was devastating. I cry. Sorry. Sorry. Um, So we got through all of that. And telling Kara that her dad passed was really hard got through all of that stuff. 
But I had a crisis, not of faith. I never lost my faith, but of the institution of the church. Um, you know, you move through the motions and everything. And after it was all gone, I just felt abandoned. I felt like, okay, you got me through the funeral. You got me through this. But there was nothing else there after that. And it was very difficult. And I wanted to have my daughter to have an upbringing of faith because I always said faith. Through it all, I prayed. I got through it. You know, that I'm standing here healthy, happy, and moving along is because of my faith. My faith got me there. It's also because of the angels that walk among us. One right sitting right next to me. Um, but that's what got me through all of that. And it was very difficult. And I walked away from church for about four years. Basically, I couldn't go to church. I was I didn't feel welcome. I didn't felt like I belonged. And I will always say the day that Shannon and Shana said to me, you should come try this out, is a day I never regret because I haven't turned back since then. Um, it took a little bit at first to make sure I, it was what I wanted and where I wanted to be. But, you know, we're here every week. Kara loves coming to church. I love coming here. And that's important. And I now have... Faith in an institution, faith in my faith has expanded from being here. Um, I've told Pastor Dan many times. I just feel you're talking to me directly with my sermon. I've sat back there crying half the time. <laughs> so um, it's been a wonderful thing, and uh, that was probably the most difficult time in my life. Losing my mother was also difficult, but this was harder. This was harder in that respect. Once again, I just want to thank both of you for sharing those things with us. I mean, just uh, has done some. Yeah, it's 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 incredible to hear, you know, just what you've been through, and that you're here. And I just want to say I'm thrilled that you're here. You know, you got a, a, a crowd of people here who love you guys and who are for you and with you. And I think that's the that's what a church is. You know, it's, it's people. We always say it's not about the building. It's 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 us doing life together. It really is, and it's it's that you know commitment that we make to each other that I'm with you. I'll go with you. I'll give you what I have, you know, and I'm not going to give up. You know, whatever it takes, we're we're with you. And and if there's anybody here today, I hope you're hearing this. You know, this is this is the story of of God. God is He's Emmanuel. It's God with us. That's who He is. And that is manifested in us. You know, when we are present with each other, we bring God to bear to each other. You know, we bring God to each other. And so that's why we say, you know, we're better together. Absolutely, we need each other. We really, really do. Um, Because you don't know what life's going to throw at you. So I really appreciate you guys sharing that. Is there uh, any, you know, I, I kind of prepped you on this one a little bit, but is there a Bible verse or a Scripture verse or anything that sort of, you know, captures for you what what God has meant to you in your life or your relationship with Him. Growing up Catholic, we didn't really read the Bible much, honestly. I, I was full-time with my mom pretty much, so my dad, I saw him reading the Bible. He bought me Bibles, but it seemed so overwhelming to me. He's bought me lots of Bibles, actually, all different kinds, <laughs> to, to try to get me to read it, but I just couldn't. But now, lately, also, the past year, I've been reading more of it. I love the Bible app, like Pastor Kevin, you know, because it has the plans, and I love those plans because it speaks, they speak to me. And for some reason, I kept finding Isaiah is, he's, that's like 
my guy because every <laughs> time I like a, a Bible, a verse, it's usually from Isaiah. Don't tell me you have the same one I have. No, okay. I don't. But how Good. that's so funny, though. <laughs> that is so funny. Mine, um, but I like that one too. Hold on. Um, mine is um, Isaiah forty-one ten. Um, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And um, I always, you know, tell my girls and and any, I, I mean anyone, but especially kids that like. You just, you're not, you're never alone. I know it sounds really simple to say that, but that advice right there, I think this goes into your other question. That's what I want my great grandchildren to know. Okay. Yeah, you that you are okay. never, you sorry, I jumped it, that you are never, ever alone. And if you know that, when I think of a world with no God, I think of lonely, you know, and um, yeah, that's it. And for me, it also comes from Isaiah. It's 43, 1 through 3. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Um, This just reminds me of footprints in the sand. And that's exactly where, where I've been the first, at least the first two, three years after my husband passed. I don't know how I made it through, especially that first year. And if it wasn't for somebody helping me through, God helping me through, giving me angels that walk on earth to help me through all of that, I would have never made it through it. And um, that's why that's very important for me. And kind of the same thing as Shannon. You're not alone. And never, ever be afraid to show your faith. This is what I want my grandchildren to know. To be, to have your faith and show it and rely on it. Because we all need something bigger than us to get through all the hard times. Yeah. And, you, and you also have to be open. Like, when you're, you have to, you know, be open in your mind and your heart to it. Because sometimes you don't see it. But I... If, if I wasn't open and I was closed off, I wouldn't see the people in my life like Mary, like so many people. When I look back, it's like, wow, I want to go. I need to write them some letters and say, you were an angel. You were an angel. You were, an, you know, you I really God works through people. It's it's amazing when you when you see it, when you open your eyes to it, you have you have to be open. So, yeah, thank you very much. Is, so last one. Is there anything else that you just want to say, you know? Yeah, to, to the church today, to the people here, just to encourage them. Maybe, maybe, if anything else you'd want to add? You know, as I said, when I was growing up, you kind of went through the motions of going to church. Um, coming to this church and meeting this community of people and getting to know everyone has really been something wonderful to have in my life and in my faith. And well, everybody in here, you may not realize it, but you affect everyone else here. So when you're saying hello and you're talking, and even if it's just the smile, it really can bring us further than you are at the moment walking in. So for everyone who has done that, who has talked to me, who have gotten to know, just a friendly hello, thank you. Thank you for me, because it really made me feel welcome and part of a community, which is what I felt I was missing at that time. Yeah, thank you, too, to everyone. We, the, you know, gratitude, I feel like, is one of the best when you feel gracious and you're thankful for people and people are thankful for you, it, there's just, that's, it's a win-win, you know, when you can find gratitude in something, anything, 
you know, and even the worst situation or the worst day or the it's, you know, and I, that's the graciousness of people here. It just astounds me. Um, and I've saved a lot of money in therapy because since I've been coming here, I don't go that much anymore. So, um, <laughs> therapy's good though. Don't think it's not. But <laughs> that's great. So can we, can we thank Shannon and Mary today for... Thank you so much. Your, your, your stories were really a, a gift to us today. And uh, I, I want to thank you for, for sharing that. So we're going to close. Nikki's going to play a song uh, just as we close today. And I want to invite you to take a moment um, before, we, before we close. And our ushers are going to prepare to receive our offering. But before they come, would you take out those connection cards? And on the back of the connection card today is just an opportunity for you to respond. I want to challenge you to think about what you've heard today. Think if there was a theme from both their stories, it was, you're not alone. God is, God is with you. And perhaps today, I don't know, maybe you feel like you're, you're alone. Maybe you feel like you're, you could use some encouragement today. You're, you're not sure. You know, maybe you're going, I don't know what season you're in. But just, would you just take a moment before we, before we close? I'm just going to have Nikki just play through the song for a minute. Would you just think, and let God, just in your seat, just listen to what God wants to do and what He's saying to you right now. So just take a minute. We're going to close in just a moment. But would you turn that card over and on the back, would you just give a prayer request? You can write it down. But would you, there's some next steps for you. Would you think about what maybe your next step should be? And then we'll close in just a moment. have no excuse not to share your story. If Mary and Shannon could share those things in a public forum like this, there's no reason you can't grab coffee with a friend of yours and tell them your story. Seriously. And that was just really appreciate your vulnerability to be able to share those things with us. I just want to encourage you today. Your story is perfect. It's the story of God in your life 
no right story. It's just the story of God in you. And that's it. Don't make anything up. Just tell us as it is. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for how you work in our lives. God, I thank you most of all that you've never left us alone, not for a moment, not for a single moment. Lord, just like you walked through the fire with Mary, with Shannon, through the ups and downs of life, Lord, you never left them for a moment. And their testimony rings loudly in our hearts, Lord, that the same God who walked with them, you, Lord, you walk with us. Lord, you do it again and again and again and again. You do it again. Lord, wherever we are, you are with us. May we, may we just take to heart today that you are present. You are eternally present with us. Your spirit dwells within us. <coughs> Lord, I thank you. You are so good. Help us to just sense you better today than we ever have. Thank you. We commit this day to you. We commit our lives to you. You are good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.